Hello, and welcome to the In Key Podcast with James and Guest. And I'm the guest, Christian Lombardo. So today we're going to be talking about the Sunset Villains, the band that I was in with Chris, uh, his experience in Nashville, and the state of music today, or something to that effect. Yeah, let's get into it. Well, I think the best way to talk about the Sunset Villains is is David Ivory, the one that I met through a guitar competition, and through a few bands, eventually, I ended up trying out for the Sunset Villains. Yeah, man, he... Uh... He he got a lot done for the Sunset Villains. Like, did he talk us, me up though? Did he talk me up? Did he say like this? Kid's he did. On fire. Well, what happened was he's <laughs> like, he's like, you guys need like a guitar god in your band, not just somebody that could kind of play, but somebody who's you know just gonna rip it up with solos and stuff. So that's where you came in the picture. And he's like, I know this kid. He won the, you know, in this competition, and that's you know he just he. You came highly recommended from a, a, a very good producer. You know that's awesome, and I, I hope he said I won because I, te- I actually got se- second place. He, but you the guy second, that I was I always tell everybody you won. So. <laughs> that's I don't know who the won. guy that won was also named James. So I'm like, well, okay. James won, and uh, I'm James. So uh. okay, <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a total lie. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I couldn't believe it. Like uh, I just talked to the guy and. He just seemed like a cool dude with like long hair, and I was like, "Oh, he looks probably into like surfing or something." I, you know, I'm I'm down to give him uh, my information, and I'm really surprised to the different acts he put me in. And uh, when I met you guys, I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! These guys actually look like me." You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I was in a bunch of different bands where it, like the ages were really different, and it was just like a it didn't seem organized, but you guys, I was like, this this is legit. And then the songs I really thought was like, hey, these guys know what they're doing, you know? Hey, <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 I, you know, David Ivory was a big part of that. Like, we came in and we had, like, a vision for what we wanted to do for sure. Uh, but he was really good at, like, taking the, the songs because he called them, he's like, these are like campfire songs. Like they were just kind of the chords and the melodies and it was all good. It was, you know, it was good, but he really took it and developed it into like, all right, let's make this more each song unique, each part unique, you know? So when we went in, it's like, you know, playing specific guitar parts, playing specific key parts, rhythms matching perfectly, you know, all those kind of things with really, really good harmonies. I mean, he, he, he taught me a lot about how to build these, you know, more complex harmonies than I was used to. Um, so there's the song, the sky is falling, which was like, you know, the biggest thing that he helped us do. And the harmonies on that, I remember being in the studio and him building these like odd kind of jazz harmonies for the choruses. And I had no idea where he was going. He He had a guitar as he was. No, he had, we had the, we had the keyboard. Um, we had a piano and he's like, all right do this note, you know, try this note and this melody. And I'm like, that doesn't even sound like it fits in that key, you know. But once it all came together and I saw how he built the chord on each each, uh, phrase, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it really opened my eyes to like expanding how I viewed harmonies. You know, I was like, oh, you do a third or you do a fifth. And I mean, I'm not trying to get into the weeds too much. Did he talk like it, like... With those, like the degrees of the scale and this kind of thing, or uh, absolutely like, not. Okay, no. okay. It was, it was definitely just. Listen, David has like a lot of like a tough love kind of attitude when it comes to like working with him. 
uh, you know, he might be hard on you to get the best out of you, whether that's when you're recording, when you're doing pre-production, whatever it is. And at when you're doing it, you're like, oh, God, I hate this guy so much. And then when you get done, you're like, oh, I'm glad he tortured me to do that. He you know? broke my heart with the guitar solo one time. He's just like, just cut this part out. Just hold that note. I'm like, but that's the whole... <laughs> Like the whole reason I'm putting this in there is to show that I can I can do it, you know. Like this, and he's is, like, it doesn't matter what just, you want to no. show. It needs to be what's good for the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and then of course I felt the same way. I listened back. I'm like, oh, that that feels way better, even though it's easier to play, you know, even though it's like yeah. less yeah. impressive and and all. And that's stuck with me my whole life now. Every guitar solo I'm writing, I'm listening for those spots where I could like cut a little bit out and add the the value there of like, oh, that's that's catching to the ear that rhythm. I'm, that rhythm makes sense in that spot, and yeah, that and, and you know, I I kind of always try to keep that in mind when writing and recording music is like, <laughs> are you making music for another musician or another player? Or are you trying to make music for obviously yourself? I think that comes number one. But like, who's going to enjoy this music? Is it going to be another musician that's going to really critique every little technical part about it? Or are you going to make it for the average listener that's going to enjoy it and get a feeling out of it? It's kind of two different things, and both are great. And I listen to both types. You know, if you you know any kind of like progressive stuff, and even getting into Tool and Dream Theater and all that stuff, it's you know really like a musician's kind of music. Yeah. Tool, you know, kind of varies off a little bit because they could kind of straddle both worlds worlds a little bit. But I mean, just a simple two three chord pop song is awesome if it's done right. I hope know? Simon the drummer's listening. I mean, Tool's awesome. I just have to you know. <laughs> Put up with it being boring for like five minutes, you know. It's like really interesting or really boring, and it's uh, to me. But it was just getting to the point, like you're saying with your guitar solo, like you were trying to show your technical ability, yeah. which is great, you know. But when you're, you know, when you're making music for radio, well, it's not even radio anymore. I mean, the playlists, you know. If you're making music for the average person, they're not going to care, you know, about it being too technical. And I do think that's, you know. You want to push the listener and challenge the listener a little bit to get them to expand their mind a little bit. But if you do it too much, they're just not paying attention anymore. Yeah. I want to I want to move on. But before I do, do you remember what our first show was? Was it that college gig, gig where we actually did like a little radio thing like this for the college radio? And then we got on stage at their and they had the whole giant camera, C-SPAN looking camera set up. I don't think that was the first gig. I Didn't we play like Galifties or something? Galifties Underground? Man, I don't remember. I just don't remember. I thought that was our first show. Because well, I looked you, back, you, I looked terrible. I've never looked so physically oh, wow. physically terrible in my life. And my hair was terrible. Man, you should... I'm surprised. I'm glad I played guitar well. Because like I looked like a mess, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I mean, I look back on lots of things. I'm like, yeah, that, I look terrible, you know. It wasn't as normal back then. Like, like social media was still really new. You know, there was no. I, I'm really glad for Stitch Fix for getting my clothing and uh, you know yeah, making me look better now. I actually could follow someone online that trains athletes, and I'm I'm looking better than ever I did. But back then, man, I was just an awkward puddle of a human being. Like, what the heck? Yeah. See, I I look back with both, man. I look back. I'm like, look at how skinny I was, and then I also <laughs> look back and I'm like. What was I doing with my hair? You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's kind of both. You know. Wait, wait, wait. Did you have frosted tips? Um, not really in the sense of villains, but I did for sure had frosted sorry, tips Chris. in my lifetime. I'm sorry, we all have to no. go through tough times. Hey, hey <laughs> frosted tips have been back for like an, a year, man. You know, you can't. And a listen, I grew year. up a strong year. I grew up 
listening to a lot of that like new metal stuff so oh, that, that's yeah, like that, in me yeah. that's in me <laughs> yeah um all right so i honestly dude i could go down memory lane all the time and like yeah i by the way i looked up the legendary dobbs they closed it, it you're yeah, right yeah right? what a bummer that was that. cool that was so cool um we played a lot of different shows and then the uh, arena show you know which is like my badge of honor i always tell people like yeah you know i did do that you know it's four thousand yeah. people you know probably, probably yeah. could have held more but you know i didn't you know, Safety, yeah. you know, and all this stuff. <laughs> and that was so fun. Yeah. I always tell people, like, when we went out, uh, and all the, like, 14 to, like, 18-year-old kid, kids are, like, screaming. They come over, and, like, we're the biggest band, and then the new band walks in, and they turn around and scream and go towards them. It literally was like that. that was, it, not even a cartoon. It was, like, yeah, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, but, it's almost like they're, like, programmed to think, like, okay, just because you're on that stage, it doesn't, even if they're not sure if they like the music, they treat you like that. We need to come back to this. I was talking to my friend, uh, my DJ friend, Simon, about how people will show up at these shows, especially in the EDM club, where they just stand there and just wait for their main act. It's like they're they're just they're just programmed to, to react to when that person comes on. Uh, it was like, um, oh, the act was something like Trombone Timmy or something. Uh, just a DJ that pulls out a trombone every now and then. Anyway, uh, let's talk about. I'm, I'm enjoying hearing about how you grew as a musician, and I think more recently you have, and, and not just a musician, a writer, a, a producer, and uh, yeah. towards your career. But you went to Nashville, and you said you've had some pretty unique experiences. You met with uh, people and really got some eye-opening uh, ideas on what is expected of a professional writer. If, if am I right on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been kind of like nurturing a, a couple of relationships I've had in Nash, Nashville, Nashville for the past few years, um, kind of while I'm like woodshedding on my own, like writing a bunch of songs, recording, releasing, just getting better at that. But um, I have a friend that works at Sony Publishing that I've been bouncing songs off of for a while. Um, and I just took another trip down there to kind of see well you know sticking my toe in the pond as far as the songwriter end of it um i've been writing songs forever but to like really get into that game of where these guys write i mean multiple songs a week and these songs are like radio ready you know like ready to be on whatever spotify playlist whatever radio station just as a demo and um the amount of work and skill that goes into that was you know i was kind of i've been reading up on it and kind of into it for a while but like you know it was really um intimidating at first but you know once i started to really push myself and challenge myself to write more um and give myself deadlines like and not be so precious about what i'm writing if that makes sense it's more of like uh you know kind of a numbers game in the sense of you kind of have to have the tools to access the emotion and the lyrics and the you know melodies and stuff but you know not every single thing you write is going to be great and that's okay like you you get it you get it out and you go to the next one and you keep writing and um i could see i started to see the path of like how these guys actually end up writing multiple songs a week you know and or have a part at least of a song every day and um you know, I, I, I got to, you know, look at some sessions while I was down there. Um, I met with um, long, long kind of story short. There's a 
the the CEO of uh, a big machine uh, label group down there is a friend of a friend. We kind of hooked up while we we're down there. We had dinner and um, talked about you know different you know things in the business and that, and kind of got some feedback on my songs from um, them and from Sony Publishing and stuff. And do they um, ever work together? By the way, is it always just one guy working on a song and then he 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 submits it or? Oh no no. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure they work together. Um, you know, the way, like, for example, Sony Publishing works is they hire on uh, a, a group of writers where they actually give them, like, a contract. Like, if you ever hear a, an artist or a band getting a record deal, well, it's kind of like the same thing for writers. And, pub- you know, they get a publishing contract. And it's all it's different for everybody, but usually they look at renewing every year. They get a salary, um, a smaller salary, and then if they end up having a, it's recoupables if they have a hit. So, if they end up having a hit or whatever that year, that salary that they were paid ends up coming off. But there's, you know, if you have that kind of hit, I guess there's so much money to go around. It's, you know, it's not a big deal. But they look at it as like, well, if you didn't have a hit that year, they take that as a loss, and then they decide if they want to give you a new contract year by year. Um, wow. But yeah, and, and but it's different for everybody. You know, if you're a real seasoned writer. You're going to have a different kind of contract than somebody just, you know. I, this applies, I think, normally to like people that are just kind of getting started in it, you know. That makes sense. But yeah, they they try to, you know, getting in rooms and getting that's what they call, you know, getting cuts on different things. Like everybody's kind of like trying to get on the best thing, so um, so everybody can get a cut of a song, and that's why you see now, especially. You know, these songs that have 20 writers on them because, you know, everybody gets so negative about that. And I understand that. And I think there is something to be said for maybe too many cooks in the kitchen on a song. But there's like trying to I think a lot of the the songwriters today are trying to right the wrongs of the past in a lot of people that used to contribute to songs didn't get credited for it. You know, and I think a lot of these guys today and girls today are trying to like make sure if you contributed something, you should get something. Yeah. You know, yeah. Even if that's like one, you know, part of a chord progression or a, you know, a, a line in a lyric, even if it's that small, they feel like if you put something in, you should get something. Where in the past, that wasn't really the case. See, I prefer instead of 20 writers, just one good AI. You know, it just, it just no, makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did Duh, you, that's so scary. What did they I mean, say about your songs? That you, what, what did you take away the most? Because to my understanding, Chris, you, you're generally a one-man crew. Like, I, you know, I don't see Jeff driving up, <laughs> writing choruses, you know? Yeah, no. Well, so I've been doing every, the, the yeah. Sunset Villains. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Um, no, that guy's like one of my best friends. I've known I'm, him since I'm five years I'm gonna old. I'm going to send so him the podcast. Him. I'm not going to I'm going to say you're in here. Oh, good. But you got you yeah. to listen to the whole thing. If you tell him you <laughs> talked about him once, he will listen cuz he's all about himself. So Jeff, um, what is no, the, How do you say his last name? Tamasachi. Tamasachi. Yeah, Tamasachi. Tamasachi. Like the pets yeah. in the the little the little Tamagotchis. Yeah. 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 But um but no, I mean, um, you just asked me a question. I don't, I don't remember the question. I was, what, I was prepared you, for an answer for it. And then, oh, you and said then you're like a one man. You said you're like a one man thing, and like, um, you know. Uh, but yes, I, I mean, ev- listen. Everything that I put out and even release online now is, to me, is still like a demo. I'm kind of like just trying to write a bunch of songs that I want to write and I want to hear, and I put them out, and I feel like 
you know, sometimes people are interested, sometimes they're not. But um, I record, it, you know, I mix everything myself, except I get, I sent it out to, I send it out to get mastered. Um, but except when I need a really good guitar solo, then I call, you know, this guy. You know, your boy James uh, over here. Yeah. If it's like a simple enough guitar solo, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. It's just the melody, you know. But if it, I really want you have good some tone. good tone, you have good yeah, tone, yeah, Chris. Yeah. Your hands have good tone in your fingers. Uh, the um, the reason I ask is when I'm writing songs, and this is more recently for me. Singing is new to me. I'd say two years recently, uh, and and I got into writing lyrics because you know it's like I I have things I want to say now. It just kind of awakens you when you start singing seriously covers and that sort of thing. You you it kind of unlocks that you know that desire. At least it did for me, and. I, when I'm writing songs now, when I write alone, I'm just not excited about it. Um, it feels weird. It's kind of like it's like giving myself a back massage. I'm like, I guess this feels good. I, I don't like it. I, I, but every time I See, write with somebody, I love it. Even if it's not that great, I actually love it. See, now I've been. I used. I always. I was always in bands. Always collaborative writing. You know, always. And I get that for sure. <laughs> but I also get. You know, you feeling like maybe. Oh, I'm writing by myself. It's not quite exciting or whatever it is. But that's the challenge because if you can excite yourself when you're writing and you could challenge yourself to be like, oh, like I do that. Like I've gotten better at that over time where it's, you know, I'll go to bed thinking about the thing I just did and like kind of get some ideas as I'm falling asleep, you know, whatever. And I wake up the next day and I can't wait to jump on and finish working on that. That's when, you know, you're like chasing something, you know. Um, but yeah, if you're writing by yourself, it, it's kind of like a weird mind trick to play. Like, oh, people are going to want to hear this, you know, like, so I'm going to keep going with this, you know? Yeah. But it's got to excite you, you know, it's got to excite you. And you, you, if you keep challenging yourself to the point where it does excite you, then, then, you know, you're onto something. If you're just pumping out stuff, you're like, I don't really care about this. Then it's probably not very good anyway. Well, yeah. And the sunset villains, you were always saying how like, ah, uh, I've got like three, four more, but they're just, they're close, but they're not ready. Yeah, and and listen, I mean, you still have to have that awareness. Don't get me wrong, but um, but yeah, like in the sense of villains, like we, there was always this battle of like we need to release more music. No, we need to just keep pushing this because nobody's heard it yet, and that's kind of a hard thing to always try to figure out how to balance as yeah. well. Because yeah. you, as the artist, you're playing these songs over and over again <laughs> out live. You're promoting them. You're going on the radio stations and doing all that stuff, and you feel like, oh god, I've done this so many times, but like. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people that the truth is most people have not heard it yet, you know, and so you have to push it. But regardless, you know, I, I've learned that when I relinquished some of that control of like, it has to be exactly this way, and um, I just produce much more and, and the quality gets better over time rather than like thinking this is the song. No, maybe it's not. Go to another one. Try that one, you know. And even for like my online content that I do, because I'll do covers too, like I do acoustic covers, and I put them up and they're not perfect. You know, like I, I just try to get something for people to grab onto. And maybe sometimes if it's not perfect, people listen to it and be like, oh, he screwed. But he kind of, you know, maybe I could do that. Or maybe, you know, he they, maybe there's like they could relate a little bit if it's not perfect, you know. Um, you want people to connect. <sighs> You know, I, I think there's always that thing of, you know, relating on an emotional level to the music you hear or whatever art it is and admiring of a skill, you know. And I think 
I think balancing those two is really where it's at. You know, you have to have some skill, but you also have to be able to relate. If you're too skillful, people just can't, they can admire and be like, wow, that's great. But they may not relate with it as much if it's, and if it's too emotional, then they're like, well, this person just seems like they're whining. They're not very good at anything or whatever it may be. And I think it's balancing that skill with the, you know, the relatability. Yeah, or they're all about really themselves. So the emotional side of things. So it's like it's it's so them that it's not even. Yes. You yeah. Know, yeah. It's, it's not like, even a oh, show. Well, the, I don't. I don't. I. This has nothing to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, I, let's. You're kind of touching on it. So let's go to the third thing, which is what is the state of music today? What What should people de- be doing? And what do you think people? What is the big takeaway as far as people are wasting their time when they're doing a. And more people should be doing B. Yeah, well, the the honest answer is I really don't know. And I I have I don't think anyone knows right now. <laughs> no, and I, I think every I I think in a weird way it is kind of still like the Wild West with a lot of things. And I know people say that. <laughs> Radio used to be the biggest thing with trying to get your music heard then it was facebook the whole, then it was facebook radio, right? radio game well yeah i mean that was involved and youtube was a big thing and then you know and all these different social media sites come up after you know one another and and all of them are still important in a certain way and they all have their own demographic too so you kind of have to be involved you don't have to but i mean if you want to maximize what you're doing be involved with each one of these a little bit like for me facebook I know a lot of people, you know, younger kids may look at it like, oh, well, that's what the older people use. But I play shows. I play multiple shows a week. I play cover shows. I do originals. I, I do lots of things. I, I make my living as a musician, a performer, and a songwriter, artist. So for me, <clears throat> Facebook is a great way to get people locally to my shows. That, that it, TikTok doesn't work the same way. TikTok's got a huge audience. But most of those people, unless you're on a whole other level, are not going to show up at your shows if you're like a local kind of person, you know. But Facebook is great for that, you know. Um, I find that TikTok is a really cool place to reach brand new people who have totally unbiased opinions about what you're doing to kind of really get a gauge on what you're doing. It, it's it sucks that you know, just like every other social media thing, you know, they've started squashing a lot of creators, you know, reach and stuff. And that's what happens on every one of these platforms. And I've, I've, I've been around long enough to know, like I've saw it happen to me on YouTube. I saw it happen to me on Facebook. We were getting great numbers and then they get squashed and it happened on Twitter with us, Instagram as well, you know, same thing. And, and it's just, it's happening again on TikTok. Um, and there may be another platform that everyone, all these creatives end up moving to at some point. That's probably what's going to end up happening, but I, you know, as of right now, like each one of those Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, I, you know, they're all good for different types of content. You know, I do more, you know, like the Instagram reels or the TikToks or whatever. That's the video or whatever. But Facebook is good if you throw up a picture and then you say, "I'm playing here tonight," and it, you know, you make an event on Facebook. And I have people said, "Oh, I saw you on Facebook. You were playing. I showed up tonight." You know, that's a direct thing that I, it's tangible that I know that that works, you know, for that specific thing. Um, Interesting. But I do, I do think that it's very hard to be, you know, you hear this a lot. It's very hard to be an artist these days because, you, you know, 
listen, artists always had to do things to promote their music that they didn't want to do. You know, they used to have to go on the radio first thing in the morning and play and sing, you know, there's and, and do radio tours and stuff like that. And, and, but now with the internet, it's so much harder because it's all about content creation. And, and most artists are like, I don't want to be a content creator. I just want to make music. And I totally understand that. And I struggle with it all the time. Like I'll get on a kick and be making lots of videos and content. And then I'll be like, this is exhausting. I just can't do this. I got to get back and just go work on some music and play and write and whatever. But I think you have to be on all those platforms a little bit and you get different kind of demographics out of that. And that's not even touching on the Apple music and Spotify and playlists and botting and all that kind of stuff that goes on too. There is so much that you have to handle as an independent artist, or even if you're on a major label, that major label expects you to make multiple TikToks, multiple reels, post multiple stories on your socials every day, on top of being ready to sing and perform wherever, whenever. It's a lot. You know, and I understand why everybody gets discouraged. I get discouraged all the time. But again, it's corny as it sounds, you know, at the end of the day, you have to love what you're doing. Like, I love making music and I do want people to hear it, to connect with them and share an experience of emotions, you know, for me. But, you know, that's why I keep doing it. Even though I watch some of my content, I'm like, oh God, this looks so cheesy or whatever. But I keep doing it because the music is what I want people to hear and connect with. So I'll do what I got to do to, to make that happen, you know. All yeah, right. man. And Rant. it's it's it, it, it's sounding more and more sweet if you can be just a writer or for me, you know, generally just a guitar player. You know, it's like if you pick one lane and say like, hey, I'll, I'll do what I can, but this is just what I'm doing it's because being on your own as an artist, I mean, that's uh, what you just said there. I'm tired. I'm tired. I, yeah. I got to go. I got to relax. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what even for me, like, I think at the end of the day, what I want to be doing as an old man is uh, is a producer i think you know like songwriting and producing with other artists i think i want to be in the studio you know i still like again i still play multiple shows a week i mean that's what i'm doing that's what i've been doing and but i think at some point that's probably gonna go away and i i just mean like you know as i advance in my music career where i want to end up is in the studio. That's where my love is, is like creating the initial art. And I love collaborating, but I also like working by myself sometimes too, because then there's nobody to, you know, you kind of get your full thought, focused thought out, you know, and executed. Um, And that doesn't always happen in collaboration. Sometimes it does, but, you know, so I think a little bit of both is good. But um, yeah, I think being in the studio creating is where I'll be 100 years old doing that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. And even if nobody hears it, if it's just for me to play back and be like, all right, let's listen to what I just did, you know, and then hit and play and, you know, getting that feeling. That doesn't get old for me. No matter how many times I record something and put it down, once I hit playback to hear what I just did mi- mixed with some things, you know, it's it never gets old, you know. That's awesome. We Hey, we got to get there together either in person or a FaceTime call like this, and we got to record. Yeah. We got to record something. Because yeah. I, le- yeah. I have leveled I got, up. Listen. Listen, I got like 
10 new songs that I'm working on right now that you could put some stuff on if you wanted. I, I have one song that I want to collaborate with you on. Okay. So, so I'm getting you on here. You're you're committing to my to my song, right? You're going to make me yeah, a star, dude, right? You know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get in Sony Music and everything, yeah? Oh, well, oh, you know. Yeah. It has to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be fair to my guest if I didn't give them a moment to talk about what they've been up to recently and what they'd like you to check out. So, Chris, here's the hot mic. What do you want to promote? Yeah, man. Um, I have a new song that just came out a few months ago called Cherry Red. Um, I've been releasing a song a month, but um, if you can, find it on Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to music and podcasts. Um, you know, just good old-fashioned pop rock music. Cherry Red's more of like a modern take on a late 50s pop song. So Nice. Uh, yeah, check it out. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I guess we'll see you in a number of weeks, and it's been great having Chris on. Yeah, man, this has been a lot of fun. And I guess that's it, so bye. Bye.